Hey guys, welcome back to Maybelline Coffee. Um, sorry for the background noise. Somebody forgot to charge my headphones when they used them, and I thought they were fully charged, ready to go, but I guess they're not. So today's gonna sound pretty funny, pretty weird, but don't worry, tomorrow uh, it'll be better. Hopefully. <laughs> and uh, today we are continuing on John 3, where Jesus teaches Nicodemus. And it's um, a very fun passage when I was reading it earlier today. Um, it touches on many uh, different topics, and I can't wait to go through it. So today is going to be John 3. It's going to be verses 1 through 10. And let's get right into it. So first we're going to pray, and then we'll start, okay? So dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this wonderful day. I thank you for allowing me and the other person on the other side to be here today. I thank you for their life, Lord, for allowing them to be here with me. And I thank you for my life, for allowing me to wake up today. I thank you for everything, Lord. Forgive me for my sins, Lord, for my quick temper, quick anger. Forgive me for my sudden bursts, Lord. Please forgive me and cleanse my heart and my mouth. Forgive the other person on the other side, Lord. I don't know their hearts like you do, Lord, but you know them. And you know what they struggle with and what they fall usually to. Please forgive them, Lord, and help us continue on. I ask for wisdom, Lord, to allow us to understand your word and to, to decipher what you want to tell us, Lord. Please allow it to stay in our hearts, Lord, and to touch us, Lord. I thank you for everything, Lord. I trust in you and on you alone, Lord, in the good and the bad. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, like always, I'm going to read three what, verses one through ten, and then we'll, um, we'll, we'll get into it. Okay. So, verse three, chapter three. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miracles, the miraculous signs you are doing, if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is, be, is born again. How can a man be born again when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter the, a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows whenever it pleases. You hear the sound, but cannot tell where it is from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, Jesus said. And you and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know. And we testify to what we have known. Oh, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. 
Okay. So I skipped on to 11, but we're not going to get into 11, okay? So if you have any thoughts or, you know, on this topic, I encourage you to please, to please, you know, share your, your thoughts with me. So it would be difficult, you know, to find another person, another portion of the scripture as well as known as John 3.16, right? Or any other statement of the scripture more applied than you must be born again. When Jesus revealed the necessity of a new birth to Nicodemus, he exposed mankind's ultimate hope. This, e- this evening interview is the first of a series of individual encounters between Jesus and the person who fits the description given to the end of chapter 2. Those who approach Jesus with an inadequate face, Nicodemus, the Samaritan woman, and the nobleman from Capernaum, illustrate a certain view who of who Jesus was and what he could do. But meeting Jesus face to face changed their views. It also changed their lives. For example, if you were to meet Jesus and you guys were to have a one-on-one um, conversation, how would it change you? How would it change your your viewpoints of life? How, how would you react to it? Whenever Jesus went, changes occurred. He challenged some systems, powers, and individuals. He helped people he helped people see that they couldn't see. He invited men and women to follow him as if he expected them to drop everything to do everything and do just that. To our surprise, and not his, many of them did follow. The invitation to transformation is still open. If we are listening, we can hear it in the darkness, as did Nicodemus, or it comes to us at noon when we like when we like the women at the well are slipping through life desperate to avoid any troubles than we have already gotten ourselves into or it comes to us with shattering direct directness in the face of death or suffering around us as the nobleman discovered when the invitation comes trust jesus and follow him like certain disciples, guys. Jesus said, come and follow me. They dropped everything and just went. Like nothing. You think you would be able to do that? Able to drop everything and just follow him? So in verse 1, it said, there was a man. Each of the next segments of the gospel revolve, revolve around Jesus and one other person. From his collection of Jesus' memorable conversation, John chose several to highlight, several to highlight the character of the Lord. So, through John, uh, seems to shift the summary description of Jesus as a center of interest in Jerusalem. To interview with Nicodemus, there is a connection between Nicodemus uh, between chapter two verse 23 through 25 in um, the last chapter that we read and verses 3 and 1. Nicodemus is spotlighted as a person who is either a typical example of someone who Jesus could not entrust himself or a person whom Jesus could entrust himself. So, Last week, we, uh, I, I highlighted, yes, here. In John 
chapter 2 verse 24 it says but jesus would not entrust himself to them for he knew all men he did not need man's testimony about man for he knew what was in man so that's um the verse that he's talking about both uh these possibilities have been defended but in either end and but in the end neither is important and as clear as indication as john immediate purpose to illustrate the truth that jesus knew what was in everyone Jesus did not endorse every gesture of, of belief in him, but he did nurture those who with weak faith. Because Jesus knew that what was in every person, he knew exactly when to confront Nicodemus. His knowledge of us is just as intimate. Of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. So Nicodemus was one of the Pharisees, the most strict conservative and traditional Jewish section of those times. The Jewish religious leaders were divided into several groups. Two of the most prominent groups were the Pharisees and the Sacchades. The Pharisees separated themselves from anything non-Jewish and carefully followed the Old Testament laws and the oral traditions handed down through the centuries. The Sadducees, on the other hand, were elite priests, uh, priestly classes who freely mixed with their political agendas with power they wielded as religious leaders. As we know, uh, <laughs> John the Baptist criticized the Pharisees for being logistics and hypocritical, following the, the letter of the law while ignoring the true intent Jesus' cleansing of the temple was a direct affront to the power of the Sadducees who profited from the marketing of religion. So, in verse 2, he came to Jesus. What motivated Nicodemus to come to Jesus? Very likely, Nicodemus was both impressed and curious about Jesus and chose to form his opinions about him from first-hand conversations. Excuse me, guys. I have to bring this closer to me because I feel like you might not be listening. And by that, I mean my laptop. Please no. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, when I said, um, wait, I thought that my laptop stopped recording. And I was about to get a bit frustrated because this happened several times where I look down and I start reading and then all of a sudden it's not recording anymore. It hasn't even stopped to the 30 minute timeout. It gets frustrating, guys. (laughs) And I don't know why this happens. All of a sudden it just stops recording and I'm just like, oh, I've been talking to nobody. Cool. So in, let's continue in verse 2. Um, after we said it's very likely that he was both impressed and curious about Jesus, he chose to form his opinions about him from first-hand conversation. So most Pharisees were intensely jealous of Jesus because he undermined their authority. He challenged their views and threatened their tentious positions under Roman rule. But Nicodemus tracked down Jesus and met with him personally. It was even possible that the conversation was witnessed by both Jesus' disciples and students of the Jewish leader. So there's a small segment called At Least He Came and I'd uh I recommend you write some of this down because um it's it's uh <laughs> it really touches. 
Uh, the meeting between Nicodemus and Jesus was not by accident. Nicodemus did not stumble over Jesus, but sought him out. He made it a point to find and be with Jesus. We often are guilty of allowing our relationship with God to be degenerated into an occasional chance meeting where God has had to seek wait what <laughs> where God has had to seek us out do you only turn to Christ in crisis finding little place or time for him in our daily lives how often at night when we hustle of the day when the hustle of the day settles down do we think of Jesus in the silence and seek him out in prayer um so ways I'm saying this by, um, well, not by an expert. Like I said, I'm no professional preacher who preaches at church, but I'm just a girl who makes a podcast and likes to read. <laughs> um, what I do to include Jesus more, I'm, I'm also a very bu- busy person. I'm not going to lie. I'm not just sitting around and, you know, I wish I was just sitting around and be able to pray, but I'm, usually I'm not. I'm usually um, up and around doing meetings, cleaning, uh, making food, I'm in class. So in ways when there's moments of silence, um, when I'm washing dishes sometimes, I just uh, take off my headphones and I just start talking to God, you know, like, um, yeah, this happened. You know, like when you talk to your parents, I just talk to them, simple conversations, you know. I try to tell them what's on my mind. I try to, you know, um... To, I want to include him more in my life because sometimes I feel like I'm not doing enough to include him in my life. And that's what I do usually. I, I could be cleaning and I'm just talking. Or at night when usually when I wind down is when I pray. When I pray. And before um, the day starts, I usually uh, start changing, getting ready. I'm usually um, praying. And those are the moments where I usually just... Um, I like to pray to God because um, <laughs> a very um, loud family, very, very loud. And sometimes when they're here, I don't have enough time to pray or I don't have enough time to read. So usually I do it in my alone time. And if sometimes you don't have alone time, well, you know, when you um, exercise or when you go for a jog, it's a good place, you know, because you're usually alone. So that's um, my advice. So um, when G- like here, it says, when he went at night, and why did Nicodemus go to Jesus at night? Uh, it is possible he didn't want to be seen by, with, an, with Jesus in the broad daylight because he feared the reproach of his fellow Pharisees, who did not believe in Jesus as a Messiah. But in many, but it may not have been fear that brought Nicodemus at night, but it was also possible that he chose a time when he could talk alone at a length with the popular teacher who was often surrounded by people. So Jesus was very popular. He was like, we've seen in many paintings and in um, many stories that he was always surrounded by people and many people asked questions and maybe he just wanted to have a one-on-one time. So then he says, um, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. Nicodemus respectfully addresses Jesus as a teacher, a rabbi who had come from God. While true, the title reveals Nicodemus' limited understanding of Jesus. He was far more than just another rabbi. Yet Nicodemus' complimentary start gives us a little idea of what he intended to ask Jesus. Um, It is to his credit that he at least understood that Jesus came from God. 
as opposed to many of his Pharisees who attributed Jesus to Satan. So there when um, the Pharisees attributed him to Satan is in Matthew verse 9 verse uh, chapter 9 verse 34 and I want to go there right now. So it's Matthew. Let me put my don't forget to put your bookmark guys. So it's Matthew verse 9 chapter 9 verse 34. So it says but the Pharisee said it is by the prince of demons that he arrives out, he, that he drives out demons. So here, if I go back, it is a dead girl and a sick woman. And I recommend you read it so, um, you know, you know that I'm not taking certain things out of context. And I would never do that. And if you do catch me doing that, please message me right away. Tell me, Sarah, that's, that's wrong. Please correct me because I want to avoid that as pop, as much as possible. So it's uh, a dead girl and a sick woman, and it starts at verse 18. Oh, wait, no. It's Jesus heals the blind and the mute. Mm, yes. And it starts at verse 27 of Matthew. So I recommend you continue reading that. But let's co- continue. So instead, Nicodemus identified Jesus' miracles as revelation of God's power. So, questions and answers. It is quite common to people to find people treating spiritual questions as if asking them was perfectly valid, valid pursuit, even if they had no real hope of getting an answer. That kind of treadmill leads on to despair. If we are not serious about answers and questions, even hard questions are a waste of time. We don't know exactly what questions Nicodemus planned to ask Jesus, but we do know what he that he went to the right source. If all we want to do is ask questions, any ear will do. But if we are hungry for answers, God will be our source. He will he has provided his word, his presence, and the freedom of prayer to place any question before him. Others who have brought their questions and quests to God can also provide value help to us. Jesus wants us to be more than just Jesus wants to be more than an item of discussion. He has answers for the heart and soul. So once again, Jesus wants to be more than an item of discussion. An item to just bring up and then go away. Like no, he wants to be more than that. So Nicodemus' expressions indicate that he saw himself representing a significant number of Jews, thus when he uses we. Uh, The people over whom he was a leader and a teacher, but no sooner did Nicodemus get this compliment out out than Jesus responded with a statement that that must have rocked the Pharisees back on his heels. With one stroke, Jesus revealed the follow of discussion from his identity as God-sent teacher to a crucial question of the destiny of each person. Jesus made it clear that his own qualifications were not up for debate, but that Nicodemus ought to be concerned about where he stood before God. So, <laughs> Jesus really turned the tables right there. He said, no, how the turntables, guys, how the turntables. He said, no, uh, how do you stand with God? And he used to be like, what? Uh, what? Pardon me? 
So, in verse 3, it said, no one, uh, no one can see the kingdom of God. Jesus' words are unmistakable. No one. That is, not the Jew, not the uh, Pharisee, not the uh, Sadducees. No one who is relying on his or her own um, merits can see the kingdom of God. Although the Bible does not explicitly state what kingdom of God is, Jesus made it very clear what isn't. My kingdom is not from this world. So, um, where, where was I? The kingdom of God is a sphere of God's rule in heaven. The Old Testament does not use the term kingdom, but it clearly refers to the kingship of God. So, um, when they were starting to form the government uh, in the last judges, uh, Samuel was an old man uh, and the people of Israel decided that they wanted to form a new government. So, when they approached Samuel um, in the Old Testament, uh, they uh, was a demand that they wanted to appoint a king. God's response to Samuel about this request was instructive. And the Lord told him, listen to all the people who... All the people are saying to your what? Listen to all the people. Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not that not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as a king. You can find this in First Samuel verse eight, chapter eight, verse seven. This tension between the recognized or rejected kingship of God is about the final resolution cannot be missed in the Old Testament. So, what could Jesus expect Nicodemus to know about the kingdom? From the scriptures, he would have known that the kingdom would have be would be ruled by God. It would eventually be restored on earth and it would be incorporated in God's people. Jesus revealed this uh, about the Pharisees that the kingdom would come to a whole world, not just the Jews and that Nicodemus would be part of it unless he was personally born again. This was a revolutionary concept. The kingdom is personal, not national or ethnic. And its entrance requirements are repentance and spiritual rebirth. Jesus later taught that that God's kingdom has already begun in the heart of believers. It would be fully realized when Jesus returns again to judge the world and abolish evil forever. So, in or out. Another segment. Just as earthly citizenship is a right of birth or is granted to a person, so is citizenship of the kingdom of God. It is right in... It is... Uh, so, should, so, citizenship in the kingdom of God is a right of new birth. A person can take steps towards citizenship and in the kingdom, but one's actual position is either in or out. Jesus told one's perspective of man, You are not far from the kingdom of God. Evidently, a person can approach, yet still not see or be part of the kingdom of God. We need to be prayerful, consider before God the exact location of our citizenship. If we have not been born again into God's kingdom and submitted his rule in our life, we cannot assume that we are citizens uh, without being born from above. The Greek word translated from above can also be rendered to again. 
It seems that Jesus was speaking of birds from above because he later used the analogy from of the wind coming from some unknown heavenly source to illustrate spiritual birth. But Nicodemus clearly thought that Jesus was speaking about physical birth. How in verse 4, how can anyone be born again after growing old? Can one enter the second time into the mother's womb and be born again? He only saw a literal meaning and questioned the absurdity, but with all his learning, he should have understood that God can and will give spiritual rebirth. The prophets had spoken about this spiritual rebirth, this spiritual regeneration. So that's pretty crazy that um, Nicodemus was a man who studied the Bible for many, many years, and he still couldn't understand that what Jesus was talking about. He was pretty baffled. And, you know, let's say you study plants and you have to know all the plants. And at some point in your life, you do. You do study that. And that's what um, that's what you study. Similar to Nicodemus, you keep studying these. And all of a sudden, people ask you, um, what's this um, plant? And you're like, um, I'm not sure. I've never seen this plant. Even though this plant has been in your studies several times. And it's clear as day. And I'm just like what it's like didn't you study this at all and it's quite it's quite an you know ridiculous um that he didn't understand it but at the same time um i can see where he is coming from Sometimes we study things and all of a sudden it just doesn't come up to mind. And who sh- uh, who am I to blame him for not understanding if sometimes somebody asks me something from the Bible and even I can't answer. So I should be quick to judge also. So where was I? Where was I? Let's see. Right here. Where Where was I? Okay, right here. Um, verse 4. How can anyone be born again? Oh, no, I did read this. So, starting over. Most people at one time or another wish they could start life over again. But second thoughts usually bring us to the conclusion that another trip through life would involve just as many opportunities for, for, for mistakes as the first time. N- Nicodemus only... Uh, only saw complications and impossibilities in Jesus' challenge, but Jesus later made the point in discussing the possibility of salvation with his disciples that with man this is possible, this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. You can find this verse in Mark 10, verse 27. Uh, the only way that a person can really start over in life is being born from above or born again by receiving God's eternal life and the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. Starting over may be naturally impossible, but Jesus makes it supernatural possibility. So, in verse 5 it says, No one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. 
The statement has perplexed and divided the commenters for centuries. Some traditions have taught that water denotes physical rebirth and spirit to spiritual birth, which case Jesus would be saying that a person has to be has to have two births, one physical and the second um the first physical and the second physical. Uh, uh excuse me guys, I have to turn this off. There we go. Let's see. This builds on uh, this view builds the preceding concept when Nicodemus referred to a physical birth, and it also points to the parallel Jesus made in verse six: "Flesh gives birth to flesh, and spirit gives birth to spirit." So a lot of people were just debating, "What? What about this? What about that? What about this?" And it gets very, very confusing because, as we know, um, um, in baptism, that's um, the second rebirth, and in many other versions of Christianity. Uh, other people, you know, baptize kids when they're babies, when it doesn't make sense, you know, uh, baptizing you so you can be born again from your sinful desires and everything that you've done to be a better person. But there's this child who hasn't even lived their life yet and it's already being rebirthed again. When Jesus was um, baptized, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, at age 34 age 34 he was already a grown man and that's how it should be so when it says flesh gives birth to flesh in verse 6 but the spirit uh, gives birth to spirit this is also written um, that which is born of flesh is flesh and which is born of the spirit is spirit human beings are flesh can produce only more human beings this answer Nicodemus questions in verse 4 only God, the divine spirit, can be can give the believer spiritual life. At the same time, God puts his spirit onto us, and we are given a new regenerated human spirit. It is God's spirit, not our efforts, that make us children of God. So it's God's spirit. It's never going to be our own efforts, but it's only going to be God. Jesus' description corrects human hopes that we might somehow inherit goodness from our parents or earned by good behavior, church background, or correcting associations. At some point, we must be able to answer the question, Have I been born of the Spirit? When it says, You must be born from above. Jesus' statement to Nicodemus that evening has been hurled to the world ever since both Jews and Gentiles have heard the divine mandate. You must be born again. Without the new birth, one cannot see or enter into the kingdom of God. In those millions, in those words, millions have heard Jesus speaking directly into their hearts. Behind Jesus' challenge is his invitation to each of us. We must be born again. Allow me to do that for you. So in verse 8, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. Perhaps this moment in the evening, a soft wind rustles the leaves outside of the house or in the garden where you are, where they were talking. Jesus used the illustration of the wind to depict, to depict, to dissect the effect of the spirit in the person born in the spirit. In Greek, the same word can have several meanings, spirit, wind, and breath. God's spirit, like the wind, has free movement and, like reviving breath, has power. 
Jesus used this illustration to show the reality of the spirit living in a person and is evidenced by the effect of the spirit on the person's life. Nobody can control the spirit, okay? And continuing on, so uh, when it says, So it is with everyone who is born again of the spirit. The image Jesus used to describe the wonderful experience we have of realizing that God actually moves in and through us by the Spirit, just as we do not know the origin of our, or the destination of the wind, we do not know or how to con- we don't know how to control the Spirit. What do we do? What we do? What we do know are the effects of the wind and the Spirit. Life in the spiritual is as radical and unexpected as being born of the Spirit. So in verses 9 through 10, it says, A teacher of Israel. The response Nicodemus continued the question. Jesus called him a teacher of Israel and expressed amazement and his lack of understanding. Having such a position, perhaps uh, Nicodemus should have known what Jesus was talking about. For the new birth is not a a foreign topic to the Hebrew scriptures. Jesus' questions must have exposed Nicodemus, who perhaps thought that he and Jesus were teachers who would discuss spiritual matters from an equal level of learning and understanding. So Nicodemus really thought that they were equal and um, that they both had the same understanding when in actuality, uh, Jesus knew far more than Nicodemus did. The Jewish teacher of the Bible knew the Old Testament thoroughly, but he did not understand what it said about the Messiah. Knowledge is not salvation. People may know the Bible and even study it regularly, but unless they understand and respond to the God whom the Bible reveals and the salvation that he offers, the, the scriptures only be will only be a priceless relic rather than a life-changing treasure so what do you want the bible to be for you a priceless relic or a truly life-changing treasure that you will treasure for the rest of your life you can know the bible in and out but you if you don't understand what it truly means and what it's trying to tell you then it's nothing what's the point of it So I wanted to end in a certain segment that it was was well, I was gonna talk about earlier, but I thought it would be better for the end. And where is it? The necessity of searching the heart. So it says Nicodemus searching and he believed that Jesus had some answers. A learned teacher himself, he came to Jesus to be taught. No matter how intelligent and well-educated we are, we must come to Jesus with an open mind and heart so he can teach us the truth about Jesus, about God. A searching heart is marked by these several characteristics. And I recommend you write this down. These are quite interesting. Uh, Humility in seeking and admitting personal need. Perseverance in overcoming obstacles that may keep us from finding and following Christ. Insight in recognizing that the gospel message relates to our lives. Willingness to submit to the Lordship of Christ. 
And lastly, obedience. In going beyond the mental ascent to act to active dependence on God, promises, and guidance. Well, those are the several characteristics of a of a searching heart, and that's where we're at today, guys. Um, if you don't mind, I'd like to ask for prayer because, um, I I tried recording this fifteen times, and every time I try to continue recording, it stops recording immediately after zero seconds, and it it doesn't let me record. I'm gonna put music over it, um, like always, but um. <laughs> This is gonna be my fourth segment. So I have one of 10 minutes, another one of 21, and another one of two minutes because it didn't let me continue um, reading. So I'm sorry, but in the middle of certain segments, the music goes even longer. And even though I was reading and then it goes long and then it doesn't, um, that's um, <laughs> when I stopped recording. Many of you are like, why do you stop at 21? Because I only have a 30 minute. Um, time limit so that's probably the longest one but I thank you guys for being here with me and I I thank God for letting me be here I I can't thank him enough for giving for helping me through life and helping me get through here um you know um the second second verse is, is something incredible to experience um so uh, if you are considering getting baptized, I, I extremely recommend it. It's life-changing. It, you know, a renewal of the spirit. You feel new. You you feel new. I was baptized around age... I don't remember how old I was, but I was, I was young, but I wasn't a baby. But I was really happy to be baptized. It was an exciting uh, moment. And I recommend you read up on baptizing. So you understand where you're getting into it. Uh, I thank you guys so much. And we're going to end with a prayer right now, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for allowing me to finish this podcast, Lord. And I thank you for the patience that you have given me, Lord. I thank you for allowing the other person to be here, Lord. And I thank, and I ask for you to please help us understand your word, Lord. To I thank you for, <laughs> for allowing us to understand your word. And I thank you for allowing me and the other person to be here and read it. Please keep them safe, Lord, in the rest of their day. And please keep me safe for the rest of the day, Lord. I thank you for everything that you've done, Lord. Good, um, I, th- I thank you for allowing me to be here, Lord. I will keep trusting you, Lord, in the good and the bad. And I thank you for, for everything, Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, guys. I'll see you guys next time in Bible and Coffee. Bye-bye.